Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 162. Pleased to enjoy this tasty couscous. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. And to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. <laughs> oh, it's John Lord. <laughs> Good morning, world. <laughs> Ah, it is a show all about television, in case you weren't aware. And this is our last proper show for the year. It, because it, we're out of weeks. Because we're out of weeks. <laughs> and we're doing an improper show for you for next week. We are doing an improper show. It will uh, it will be special edition Charlie. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all know what that means. Strap on your seatbelts. I thought you were going to say something uh, so about did I, but yeah. it's, it's, I it, it's been I think, filthy already. And we haven't even started the show, and we're already filthy. You, you don't no, strap you on do. seatbelts. You don't strap on... It's, it's, you do uh, strap on seatbelts. No, you don't. No, no, no. What um, do you do? What's the, what's the oh, Davis line? Uh, click, clack. Click, clack, front <laughs> and back. Click. That's what you're going to need to do. Uh, in this episode of Box Cutters, we're going political. Oh, yes. No clean feed. No, we, we're going political about other things. Uh... We're going to talk about the HBO show John Adams, uh, a little thing about politicians, and uh, and also the dismissal to try to play each other off. And uh, then at the end, we're going to see who would win in a fight between John Adams and Gough Whitlam. And Gough Whitlam. Yep. Max Phipps is Gough Whitlam, or and uh, Max Phipps and Max three, Gillies, three quarter, t- four quarter tie <laughs> in a tag team. Yeah. With the. <laughs> Paul Giamatti <laughs> as referee. He would be a good referee. Yeah, in a in cage match. Yes. While cage Laura match, Linney yeah. plays the organ, it'll be great. Oh, I can't wait. That's all coming up later on in the show, as well as letters to Box Cutters. Box Cutters quiz for the last time this year. Some pork. And as always, we're going to kick things off with the Box Cutters news. In news that television people are just as bad as everybody else. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, we we all know about Andrew O'Keefe. Andrew O'Keefe was filmed being very, very drunk uh, in Chapel Street in Melbourne. Uh, Melbourne apparently is the place to get drunk at. Because uh, also Scott McGregor, who is a temptation model, but also hosts the Foxtel show Blood, Sweat and Gears which is kind of like a, a hot rod, uh, racing, top geary kind of show. Mm-hmm. Uh, made a lot cheaper uh, than even Australian Top Gear. And what, what channel is that one on, did you say? Foxtel. Foxtel, <coughs> right. Channel Foxtel. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's on Fox 8. I, I've, I've, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's, uh, it's just after Channel 31. So this news has horrified literally dozens of people dozens, around the country. Dozens of people. He was... Uh, uh, he was arrested uh, in uh, in Melbourne on at seven thirty p.m. on Sunday. Uh, oh, this is just recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this ah. is uh, last twenty four hours when we're speaking. Uh, he was not charged with any offence, but he was uh, taken to the Melbourne Custody Centre and uh, and uh, has said he regretted the incident. "Quote: I was arrested for being drunk in a public place. We were out to have a fun day, and it was just a bit of bad luck that it ended the way it did." 
compare that to a- Andrew O'Keefe, who was really, I think, uh, he really, was freaking wasted. Yeah, but he was set up by those uh, whoever was was filming that. Well, apparently the negotiations were going on with one of the security. I think from One Six One. Do you know? Uh, I, I feel the need the to, to to sell the band of this is I have no idea who Andrew O'Keefe is. He's the the Deal or No Deal uh, yeah, host. Yeah, host, host of Deal or No Deal, and he, he used to be a comedian. But he, he worked his way up to being a game show host, which is uh, <laughs> I still don't quite see how that works. Hey, so that's what Drew Carey did. That I only found out yesterday when I saw his face on a box advertising the board game version of the, the game show that he hosts. Which and is a Price is Right. Yeah, and the, I, I thought, really, that's, that's where you went, Drew Carey. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's not a great use of his talent, but then again, it's never an excellent stand-up. Mm, uh, uh, Channel 7 have said that uh, they are standing fully behind Andrew O'Keefe. And well, he'll be continuing he was, in his three roles on here. You know, he, uh, he he got drunk and somebody filmed it. But when that, if you if you watch the footage, and the Herald Sun in Melbourne has uh, uh, has footage on their website, yep. uh, you uh, of course they do. Sorry, of just, course they do. Just yeah, how classy, how very classy. Yeah, uh, they're constantly saying, "What's that, Andrew O'Keefe? What are you doing, Andrew O'Keefe? <laughs> they do. Hey, Andrew O'Keefe, look in the camera and tell us your name." It's, that it's not really enough for a scandal, I think. And at one point, no, being, at drunk, one point, being drunk is not enough. If he was murdering some kittens, you know, at the same time, which is outrageous, Andrew O'Keefe, and I will not stand for your kitten murdering ways. What are, what are you doing there, Andrew? I'm oh, murdering kittens. Yeah. No, that didn't happen. <laughs> that would at least be something. Or if, but, he, was, if he was nude or you know, dressed up as, as but Mother Teresa or something. just being drunk. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's... that's... <laughs> oh, but then he got into a stranger's car for a lift home. Yeah. No. No, it's, it's not enough, is it? It's just no. not enough. Uh, no. Compare that to uh, Gavin Disney, who has been charged with uh, uh, 13 counts of indecent assault and two counts of rape. Now, that's something to be outraged about. Yes, there's no jokes there, but I will say that's putting the effort in as far as, you know, <laughs> as, as, far as, scandal as goes. outraged scandal goes. Gavin Disney was, of course, uh, the, one of the uh, producers of Hey, Hey, It's Saturday up until 1990. Uh, he, was, uh, he was partnered with Daryl Summers. Right. Yeah, um, I, b- I believe so. Yeah, so the original production company was uh, Disney, Disney and Summers, and then it became Summers Carol. Correct. And uh, uh, this uh, was uh, a, a man about 20 years ago. Uh, he said he was too scared to speak out at the time, uh, and uh, now he is speaking out, and Gavin Disney's been charged. So that's, uh, that's interesting and shocking news. But yes, that is how you do a scandal. Proper Definitely. scandal work. That is proper scandal work. John? Uh, well, less scandalous, but probably actually more depressing um, in some ways. Uh, Majel Barrett died on December 18. Uh, you might not know her name, but you probably know her voice because she played... She's also known as Majel Barrett... Uh, uh, Majel Barrett Roddenberry. Roddenberry. Was, was, was the full name. Um, Majel Barrett was her yeah, sort of stage name. Um, she was the widow of Gene Roddenberry who created Star Trek, and she did the voice of the computer in every version of Star Trek for 38 years. Apparently, every single computer voice in Star Trek has been her, including the new J.J. Abrams um, oh. film version. Which the reboot. Come out. The reboot. She's basically one of the only people playing her original role. Um, she also played... Um, she was the, the, the second command, I think, in, in the original pilot, and she played the nurse in the series. She also played Diana Troy's mother in Star Trek Next Generation. Diana Troy's... Slutty mother. Don't try slutty mother. In um, I must be. I personally. I mean, I'm, I'm not a huge Star Trek fan generally. But whenever it was an episode going and Deanna Troy's mother, I'd go. Oh, really? Can we watch Pot Black instead? Yeah, that, it'll be more interesting. Because that lush just trying to grope Picard. Because <laughs> that's that's it. That was her whole role. That was, that was her. You will, you will be her. a lush, and you will try mm. to grope Picard. What am I doing in this scene? What's my motivation? Groping Picard. <laughs> that was her shtick. 
she also appeared in um, other shows, including Babylon 5, Andromeda, and uh, basically, you know, lots of nerd boy stuff. But, um, yes, she died, uh, sadly, from, I think it was leukemia. Ah. Oh. And uh, she will be sadly missed. She will. Oh. And, uh, and from now on... Star Trek computers will not speak like other computers don't. I believe, though, she did do one of those um, GPS global positioning systems. You can get those on celebrity voices. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe she's done one of those. So I imagine future buns will just program that in. I <laughs> 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 have to find all the street names that somehow make sense for what, what the plot's doing, you know. But should you go, turn left, turn right, meteor, you know. <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll work. Brett, what have you got? Following up uh, the in the, uh, the the was it in pork or was it in news that we uh, mentioned last week? You that know, there when, had been when, unsubstantiated rumours that when, when it's Top stuff Gear that Australia you say, there's, there's no difference. <laughs> there's no difference if it's pork or news with you. Apparently, uh, it would seem that the uh, the rumours aren't quite 100 percent correct. Um, Top Gear, well, SBS Australia uh, are saying that have announced that Charlie Cox is leaving. Top Gear Australia, um, obviously the most liked member of the presenting team there, and uh, he's going to return to Britain, uh, which he has business interests apparently over there. I, I suspect that uh, SBS are just kind of letting him off lightly and not saying everybody freaking hates you, Charlie Cox. Just go back to where you came from. Yeah, I think I think the business he has in uh, in Britain is not being in Top Gear Australia. Mm. That's his business mm. there. It is such a euphemism, isn't it? Yeah. Business interests. Business, it business could interest. mean anything. Colourful yeah. racing identity. You know, it has that kind <laughs> of feel to it. He's to be replaced by a uh, former uh, one of one of the mainstays of Hey Hey It's That Day, uh, legendary Red's, Red, Red's, Red Simons, legendary Aussie ostrich. Uh, According duck. to the release, uh, trumpeter. Oh, oh, uh, jazz Kamal. musician Kamal. Uh, yes. Ricky May, oh, Ricky May, yes, Ricky May, Ricky May, the animated corpse of Ricky May and Plucker Duck. I would so watch that show. Ricky May, uh, but also the, the animated corpse of Ricky May was actually inside the Plucker Duck suit. Was he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone wins. Also, the uh, former host of Car Show Behind the Wheel, James Morrison. Oh, yes, he right. uh, he's very excited about it. He says, uh, "I don't want to sound like I'm blowing my own trumpet." Hey! <laughs> but I think Series Two is going to be bigger and better than ever. I just hope some of the challenges include playing a chorus of the blues. But hang on, b- bigger and better than ever? Don't you mean bigger and better than last year's disappointing season? Mm. That's <laughs> that's well, what you mean. That is what he's Morrison. hoping for, though. He's hoping it'll be better and bigger than last year's disappointing you know, season. He was also the lead singer of The Doors. I wish we had crickets. I wish we had sound effects of crickets. He was. Uh, yes, uh, I, I was distracted. Um, I think that I, I think that with puns like that, it's it's pretty clear what we're looking forward to with series two of Australian Top Gear, if it ever actually gets to air. Um, and uh, it's it's kind of he's not he's not the top. He's not. He's not the. Well, uh, does he the, have to be a top? Well, I mean, the, if if they're reflecting so truly, or but hey, but as truly whole, as they're pro- possibly trying whole, to. Well, not your whole, but but a large part of your criticism was that they just tried to copy rather than finding, rather their, than own finding way. their own way, and now they're putting someone in, who, which is well, you know finding finding their own way. Because yeah, and you're going, but well, but he's not like the other guy. Because was Jeremy Clarkson an acclaimed jazz musician? I don't think he I was. I don't think no, he exactly. Was. This is my point. 
Is it? Yes. Yeah, but, yeah. But, and 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 but with, you're saying with it like honey it's a bad work thing. like that. He's he's a lot more closely mirroring uh, um, Warren Brown. That that same kind of dad sense of humour. Have you found that with Warren Brown? I don't know. He's a bit cheesy. Do you know? John, oh, no, I've his, got no his, idea. Do you know who Warren Brown is? I thought you'd know. Because you normally know Wasn't he... Uh, was I he just a, a, nod. He was a, a politician in the uh, yeah, New South Wales was, Parliament. Oh, I thought he was, was like no, the no, exchequer no, no, of the exchange no, no. in the UK. Or that song, Never a Frown, with Warren Brown. Was that <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the Stranglers. Yeah. Was he yeah, in the Stranglers? He was in the Stranglers. Was, okay, sorry. Yeah, okay. Now we know. Go on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Warren Brown. Warren Brown's the cartoonist presenter of Top Gear Australia. The one with the moustache. The one that did the peaking to Paris in the old jalopies. The one that was the cartoonist in uh, Difference of Opinion. What part of <laughs> what part of John and I didn't watch Top Gear Australia have you not understood? I actually do know Peking to Paris, though, so I'm with you now. I, I, I've come on board with Warren Brown. Um, insiders, the, the cartoonist bit. Yeah. He, he was regularly on there. But he has a moustache. Yeah. No, I don't know him. <laughs> no. No, I don't know anyone with a moustache from Insiders. One of the cartoonists. Yeah, no. No. Anyway, Drawing a what, complete what, blank. What was he doing? Let's just ignore Josh for a moment. What, just uh, for a moment. I mean, Warren, Warren's kind of really cheesy in that dad sense of humour, and, and I think that James Morrison's going to be quite similar. That was it. That's what, we were, that's what we were heading for. That, that was the point I was trying to make. <laughs> for the last half hour. That's I actually we've been noted going. about five minutes ago. Did but, you? Yeah. Did you? <laughs> So, sorry, Brett, we're, we're just not paying you any attention at all. <laughs> Should I just continue? Mike yeah, Munro is, set to, uh, is apparently set to host Channel 7's uh, 60 Minutes killer-style show, um, which will be uh, coming on to Sunday night's uh, schedule next year. Mike Munro, former uh, 60 Minutes reporter himself and uh, long-time Channel 9 reporter. Apparently they... Uh, Parted company on good terms, and uh, it didn't take it him too long to go over to. It wasn't good terms. Who said it was good terms? Do you think he never, was, all the, he all never the press s- releases that came out said, "Oh, everything's amicable." And no, just he was ropeable. Really? Yes. Maybe they misspelled yes. amicable. They I, meant I, ropeable. They meant ropeable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ended ended on ropeable terms. <laughs> Do you think this new show that the whole attempt is actually to just make people think they're watching sixty minutes? Because it sounds like they're trying to build the same show that you won't notice. You know, it'll be called... <laughs> school. Or Ray Martin's Prey. Yeah. Oh, Young Event's not doing much these days. Like, you'd get them all back. Yeah. Oh, it'd be like, yeah, Family Ties reunion. It'd be great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who Warren Brown is now. <laughs> Never noticed his moustache. Thank you, Google Pictures. Yeah, bless. <laughs> bless Google Images. Hey, speaking of the internet, uh, iTunes are uh, now going to be uh, showing... Oh, are going to be... Uh, selling TV shows from uh, a lot of Foxtel channels. So uh, things that are licensed to Foxtel from the US, shows like Family Guys, X-Files, American Dad, Friday Night Lights, uh, all from Fox 8, uh, Top Chef, which is one of my favourite shows of all time, uh, the the very uh, bad Kathy Griffin's My Life on the D-List, uh, and Mad Men and Dirt from now, Movie Extra. iTunes have been selling TV programs, though, before now, yes? Yes, but this is a new deal for them where mm-hmm. they can show a, a lot more than just old Blue Heelers episodes. So previously they've been usually been older programs. Yes. Is that the idea? And now it's all... Yes. Right. And now, and now it's all, uh, it's all you know, some new, some old. There's, uh, you can also... A lot of Screen Gems uh, presentations. So Bewitched, I Dream of Genie, Starsky and Hutch are all going to be uh, available. So uh, it could be a, a 
good way to catch up on some television and uh, and save you having to actually get out of your house and go to a shop to buy DVDs. It's also, I mean, another way of, of trying to get people watching television, isn't it? It seems to be that people are people have stopped watching TV on TV, and this is yet another way of. Yes, it, it is. It's another way of of doing it, and I think it's uh, the way things are going. And uh, later on, if we get time, I'm going to uh, have a little whinge about uh, Senator Stephen Conroy who recently has made me think, oh, remember the halcyon days when we had Coonan as Ryan's communications minister? Oh, wasn't she good as Ryan. communications minister? Uh, uh, Richard Alston. Oh, Richard Alston. Fantastic. Um, was fantastic. Job. Uh, um, yeah, so, so l- later on when I, uh, I, I have uh, possibly a little bit of a rant about uh, Stephen Conroy, uh, we'll talk about how useless uh, getting television through the internet is going to be. I'll be looking forward to that. Hey. Um, also, just on, on the idea of uh, watching TV in, in different ways, is the announcement that the second series of Flight of the Concords, which doesn't start on HBO until January the 18th, they've actually released the full first episode to funnyordie.com. Um, it's for Americans only, legally, so you'll have to find some other way here to watch it. And it's quite good. Now, you, you said you tried to use the new Brett's, Brett's new special uh, no, fancy. No, I, did, I didn't try the new Brett's special fancy. I was saying I, I was going to, and then I just, you know, just made it appear on my computer instead. <laughs> but, right. um, yes, but, but, uh, but I think it'd be well worth giving Brett's special fancy a go, which should allow you to watch it as if you were in the US, even if you're not. But I was just saying, it's interesting that the idea that a whole month before this show actually airs on, on real television, if I can use air quotes, um, that it's it's you know on the internet for everyone to watch, and they must know too that it's going to escape. You know, it's not going to just stay on on the funny or die website. It will, it will make its way. Oh yeah, and uh, and uh, I think they they're really banking on that because uh, the first series had quite a lot of buzz and uh, and was not very long, and uh, I think something like this people giving copies to, to other people and, and passing it it's on. It'll create the word of mouth. It'll create the word of mouth. Because we were saying the first series, I think the, the episodes were on the HBO website about uh, a week or like, a few yeah. days before. But this just the idea of a whole month, I think, is quite fascinating to go. Here it is. Here's the episode. It's free out there in the world. Watch it. And- Huge lead up. And, uh, and of course, you know, it, it, it means that uh, they're taking quite a risk as well because uh, it's likely that the first episode will not rate well. Because everyone will have seen it, mm-hmm. uh, but second, third, fourth episodes will uh, will do fine. Well, as long as they don't shunt it to the eleven thirty Tuesday night slot, because uh, nobody watched the first episode. Yeah, it's HBO. People who have HBO have TiVo. Yeah, doesn't matter when it's on. Brett, um, talking about uh, US TV content, uh, there's a few new shows coming up. HBO have picked up uh, a couple of new ones. Bored to death. Uh, which stars Jason Schwartzman, who you might know from... Uh, uh, Rushmore. Yep. Uh, Darjeeling Limited. That's the one. Um, and... Uh, I Heart Huckabees. Oh, is he in that? Yep. Or do you just heart Huckabees? And you Both. just wanted to tell us. I just wanted to say it. Okay. Um, and How to Make It in America. Uh, both have been given eight episode orders from HBO. This joins Will Ferrell's produced East Bound and Down, uh, which is premiering in the US Spring, and uh, the comedy Hung. 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 Which I haven't heard much about. I'm not sure we've covered that, have we? Hung. <laughs> um, Bored to Death will star Schwartzman and uh, Ted Danson. So it's uh, knowing knowing his later work, uh, it's going to be a 
Perla. That's the one where uh, they, they design board games that can kill people, isn't it? That's the show. <laughs> I, I've been so looking forward to that one. That's, that's cool. Do you know it's been in development for 48 years? Wow. Desilu Productions originally had that one <laughs> going. It was going to be a, yeah. They a let thing. it slip, slip through their fingers. Well, they all died eventually. <laughs> Bored to Death is uh, written by novelist Jonathan Ames. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any any recognition there? No. Oh, yeah. Um, I know the name. I haven't read it. Follows uh, Jason Schwartzman's character, a writer drinker, writer slash drinker. <laughs> In Brooklyn, who, following a bad breakup, emulates his literary heroes by offering up his services as a private investigator. Oh, nice. With mixed results. <laughs> I like that. Or possibly with sexy results. Mixed or, like his martinis. hilarity ensues. It, it could go either way, depending on the episode. Uh, uh, How to Make It in America comes from the Entourage produ- production team. Mark yes. Wahlberger and... Wa- Wahlberger. Wahlberger. Wahlberg and... And Harvey Wahlberger. <laughs> Happy wall banger. Oh. And uh, Stephen Levinson and Julian Farino. And uh, that's uh, about a couple of guys trying to live the American dream in New York. Right, as opposed to uh, <laughs> some guys trying to live the American dream in California. Uh, John, you've also got news about uh, a show being made into a movie? Oh, yeah, it was interesting because we, I mean, it's been mentioned before that idea that we're running out of shows that can be remade into big budget, uh, you know, big screen adaptations with Tom Cruise in them. And uh, even Tom Cruise, obviously, having that problem because he's remaking The Champions, a show that I don't think anyone remembers. Um, it did play recently, I think, uh, as in the last 10 years on Channel 9 around 2 o'clock in the morning, where I quite enjoyed it. But um, it was an ITC series, English series, 30 episodes, 1968 to 69, about some guys. I think they, they were uh, sort of like UN you know, spies. They crash into the Himalayas, get psychic powers, as you do, and every week do battle with stock footage. And that was um, <laughs> actually quite cool, although also quite boring at the same time. It had this wonderful things where we'd go, you know, Geneva, and zoom in on a map. And then it'd be them in front of some very bad you know, back projection going, here we are in Geneva. <laughs> you know, um, I'm hoping Tom Cruise continues the maps and bad back projection for the new one. But I, I, I bet you he, he doesn't. Will. I bet you he doesn't. I bet he doesn't. But it's interesting, I read this on Den of Geek, which is a kind of cool site. And um, mm. they put this comment here, which I thought was interesting. Despite its curtailed run, the show has done well in reruns on television, although not attaining fanatical cult status. So they're going, look, even, even we admit that no one actually cares about this show. So exactly why they're remaking it rather than not just make up their own show about some agents who crash in the Himalayas and get psychic powers because it's a universal story oh yes you know? oh yes you know what I I, I, I was with you with uh, agents and crashing into the Himalayas you didn't see the psychic powers because coming. then because then I thought oh and then they turn into cannibals and yeah, it's and kind of like a twist other. on a live yeah. right yeah. Uh, but no they get psychic powers and eat other things what I seem to remember actually was the whole series was it was just basically a, a Mission Impossible type series except every so often they used telepathy to go I think he's behind that door. <laughs> That's great. And that oh. is the Box Cutters News. You want to do that now? <laughs> My name's Wilbur Wilde. When I cut boxes, uh, well, it's actually usually for recycling night, you know, when the, the yellow bin goes out. But Box Cutters, you'll know all about it. John Adams was a man. He lived he was a, a big, long, man. big man. Long time ago. In a country far, far away. He was uh, one of the early presidents of the United States. The second president of the United States. One of the early oh, ones. Oh, spoiler. Jesus. <laughs> I've only watched the first three episodes. I didn't Read know that was going to happen. history. 
Actually, and just as a point, though, it is interesting because this is based on history. It's so funny to kind of go, well, what is a spoiler and what yeah, isn't? Yeah, because when Chris and I sat down to watch this, we realized we actually didn't know nothing about American history. So it comes at the very beginning, 1770, and we were going, is that before or after the... the Columbus got is that, <laughs> when, which Is that... But yeah, we had have have you never of, seen the Brady Bunch Thanksgiving episode? Well, that's how we worked it out, going, well, Spirit of 76 was the big thing in all those sitcoms where they're talking about something important that happened 200 years previously, and we worked back from there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but anyway, you, you were going to explain what it was to the, to so the John, people. John Adams uh, was a, a lawyer in uh, in Boston, and uh, at the time of the, uh, the, the uh, Boston Tea Party and uh, basically the American Revolution, and he... Uh, he was also one of the architects of the Declaration of Independence, a very important man in American history. Mm. HBO made a seven-part series about his life and uh, stars Paul Giamatti as John Adams, Laura Linney as Abigail Adams, some uh, young kid as John Quincy Adams, uh, who was also a president of the Well, United originally States. a young kid, and um, then once you get to episode four, it's, a, it's an older kid. <sighs> Spoiler. Well, <laughs> Ebon Moss Bakarak, I think you'll find, played him at, at some point. Ah. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, I don't recognise that Is name that at all. Is that young John Quincy or just John Quincy? It just says John Quincy Adams on this piece of paper. Well, that would be the older one. Right. Yep. Uh, I loved it. I, you know, mm. I've, I've only had time to watch uh, three and a bit episodes, I think. Uh, but I, I just think it's... Extraordinary storytelling. Yeah. Uh, for you know, I'm not I'm not a big historical drama fan. Uh, I am a, a bit of a, an American politics buff, and uh, I do like American history and American politics because it helps me answer questions on Jeopardy. So this this helps quite a lot. But things like uh, learning learning more about the Boston Tea Party and what it was, but also seeing that they didn't make a big deal of it. In the show, well, they had it and moved on. Well, as, as well as the War of Independence, yeah, and similarly with the with the War of Independence, they really concentrate on John Adams and uh, and the drama inherent in his story. Who, mm-hmm. Seeing seeing things heating up, just pissed off over the Europe. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's really why he did it. But uh, <laughs> it's a uh, joke. but the uh, the thing is. It really does just concentrate on the drama of his life. It, it, and it's look, so refreshing. It really is astonishingly good, isn't it? I, it's just amazing. Yeah. I, I just thought it was incredible series. And what I thought was interesting, like the Boston Tea Party, we actually don't see the Boston Tea Party. And I kind of liked a couple of points. They've obviously gone, this is the bit that's been made into a million telly movies. So we're not going to bother with it. I actually really admired that. Yes. So the Boston Tea Party gets mentioned as an aside. You know, like we, we've seen kind of the events yeah. around it, but we don't see that event. That's but mentioned in, in past tense in a, in a meeting. Someone says, and recently they were doing this thing, throwing all the tea overboard. But in relation to that, they, they are talking about no taxation without representation. Yeah, but, but, but the, those, the those moments, though, yeah, the moments that normally we're shown out of context as being the end of themselves is the bit that this series goes, we're not going to bother showing you that because you already know about that. And, and there was another one, I can't remember what it was, but something else gets mentioned kind of offhand in a sort of... And meanwhile, that telly movie goes in there. If yeah, you yeah, wanted yeah. To, you oh, oh uh, the English have got Georgia. Or, you know, something yeah, like something that. Yeah, something like that. Um, but, and just the acting is truly astonishing. Um, Paul Giamatti, who you might know from Sideways, amongst other films. American Splendor. American Splendor. I mean, he's just superb. And this, and Laura Linney, who I always love anyway, she's just amazing. And I love yeah. the way that normally Laura Linney playing the wife would be the character that once Adam starts doing stuff, we would never see her again. You know, she'd prop up to just, you know. But they find stuff and they kind of create these stories. Episode two, we watch this thing of, of what's going on back home. 
with her and, and smallpox kind of erupting across yes. the nation. Oh, it's gruesome. It's a whole thing that you could easily... And in most shows, they would not bother with that at all. But it gives her this amazing storyline that's just so, so you know... She seemed a little bit unhinged at that point. Was, do, you, do you think? Well, yeah. In episode three, there's a great bit where the, the daughter goes, why, why, do, why do men behave like this? And Laura Liddy says, because we let them. And I, and I just remember thinking that moment was so superb, going, look, this woman's so real and solid and, you know, and what yeah, is- maybe she's, because by episode three, she's pissed off that he keeps disappearing to... Well, he's been away for years. And- last week last week when we were talking about Survivors, mm-hmm. and uh, I can't remember if we were talking about this during the show or after the show with Damaris, when she was talking about uh, strong female characters mm-hmm. and how important it was to, to see strong female characters in uh, on television... Abigail Adams. Oh, she's astonishing. Is, she's is fantastic as a strong female character. I mean, this is this is what we should be striving for when we're looking for strong female characters there's on television. A, a lovely bit where he's getting her to read a speech he's written, and she's going, "Well, it's you know, it's, it's powerful and whatever." He goes, "Oh, don't charm me. I know when you're charming me that it's you know, basically it's a load of crap." And and it's a lovely thing. Well, no, where- no, no, it wasn't a load of crap, but it it was it was making too much of of his. His he, intellect, literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has, you know, quotes from Socrates and and what have you. But but also even even their daughter, um, who's played by you know, a really good young actress who um, noticeably has an English accent. I did think it's funny that the kids, two of them, have noticeable American accents and one has a noticeable English accent. They've also just got really good child actors, regardless of where they're from. And they are really good. And they're really good. And just the scenes in the third episode with her and the daughter is a really interesting, really interesting sort of subplot by itself. I I remember seeing a a PBS documentary a few years ago when I was in America uh, about Benjamin Franklin, who I also think is an extraordinary uh, human and is painted in in quite a a nasty light in in John Adams. Oh, do you think... Uh, Because Tom Wilkinson is Benjamin... He's by far my favourite character. I think he's he's fantastic. He's very entertaining, but as a human, he's... uh, Oh, I don't know. Every time... I I think that he's he's the one that that understands the political strategy. Well, especially in France. In in Congress, in in Philadelphia. Uh, But then when he goes to France, he, 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 he becomes embraced by the culture, which is... Um, a very un-American culture, no, also, and, and it's it's quite hedonistic. But well, Wilkinson the, understands how to make it work. So I mean, Franklin understands how to make that work. And and I actually really like that the third episode after seeing Adams being so superb and excellent, we see him totally stuffing everything up. He's terrible in France. He has no idea what he's doing. And I actually really enjoyed that. With it's it's great. Franklin because, going, you are ruining everything because you do not understand diplomacy and you don't know how it works. Well, and how often do we get to see a flawed hero in in mm. television these days? And and. You know, Adams really is a, a flawed hero. Well, well there's, there's a moment actually in that, in that France episode where um, uh, Franklin starts selling American flags to the people at this meeting, and, and Adams is actually quite offended by this. And we were watching, going, actually, this is how all politics works now, though, isn't it? I mean, this is this is how fundraising and 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 modern politics is all basically what they were doing in France in this decadent, you know, decaying society. Quite, quite extraordinary. And uh, the point I was going to make about uh, Franklin is that he uh, spent a lot of his time as uh, kind of a, the American ambassador to the Queen uh, and so spent a, a lot of his time in England as an advisor uh, to uh, the Queen and then the King uh, and uh, and then came back to uh the United States to uh, help with the revolution, essentially. And uh, in that time, he spent something like 20, 25 years away from his wife in England and wasn't in America Mm -hmm. when she died. 
and uh, and he's just painted as this you know he just abandoned her in uh, in exchange for the politics that he was trying to to perform and uh, it was really interesting to find that out and then to see this play out with Abigail Adams in the time that uh, John Adams is in France and what she goes through yes yes and uh, and and we I think we lose sight of how big the distances were back then. Because, you know, going to France meant taking a boat and taking three months. Well, there's also that thing in France that, that then his son, and I don't, you know, don't want this to be too much of a spoiler for anyone, but, uh, yeah, his, his son basically goes off. And, and the, the implications of the son will probably never see his mother again. And the son's like 14 or something. I was quite Yeah, because he has to shocked uh, go and be uh, an, an interpreter. as a secretary to St. Petersburg. Yeah. Yes. But they are all back when, when John Adams returns to the Well, so this is interesting because yeah, I, I, I was surprised how much... I mean, well, it kind of showed up how they like she did know about American history. And you were saying you were actually a history buff, the American history buff. Yes. So that's kind of interesting. You can obviously watch it on one level knowing what's about to unfold. Whereas I was watching it and I couldn't even remember if he did become a president or not. I had this feeling he did. But then as I was watching it going, oh, maybe he didn't. You know, I think both so he been... and John Quincy Adams were president. Yeah, yeah. John, John Quincy Adams yeah. was, was president and died on the floor of Congress. Oh, yeah. nice. Actually, went back into the room to die. Okay. Did you know it's actually illegal to die in the Houses of Parliament in the UK? No. It's actually against the law. Well, what are they going to do? Yeah. No, apparently, apparently no one ever dies in... in by hanging? Well, apparently the, 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 the rule is that no one ever actually dies inside the Houses of Parliament. They die in the ambulance while being removed. Mm. That's uh, just a little aside there. But um, I'll tell you the thing actually talking about the UK though, the thing we talked about last week when we were talking about survivors, we were saying how the, the BBC, you know, used to make huge, epic, uh, important television with amazing acting. I'm thinking like I Claudius yeah. and that sort of thing. And now it's all these trashy kind of soaps. And this was so weird watching this going, this is exactly what the BBC used to do. This is what the English used to be so good at, was this huge, epic kind of actor driven and, you know, sort of epic history stories. And if you compare it to, to other American uh, epic history stories, especially the, we were talking with uh, Jane Badler about the uh, event television mm-hmm. and, uh, and the, the, the miniseries. If you look at Roots and you look at John Adams, Roots is, I mean, I mean the, they're both uh, explorations of American history, but in Roots they kind of make a, a big point of everything. Right, and yes. in John Adams, it's all just part of the story. Also, it's mm. great. It's, I think it, it's, it's happy to be quiet. Like, it doesn't feel the need to hit you over the head with the music. It doesn't feel the need to kind of keep poking you to go, look at that. You know, it, it has moments that, that are very quiet. So in, then in the fact, important moments are very important. There's you know? so little uh, external sound, uh, external music in it, that when, when there is external music, I go, well, who's playing the piano? Is there someone in the room playing the piano? And then, and then I work out, oh, no, they, they've put some music in this bit. I don't see why. And one of the most amazing uh, scenes of, of the four, four and a half episodes that I've seen, I think it was in episode four, was um, actually when John Adams uh, goes in and, and meets uh, King George III, who's played uh, by uh, Tom Hollander. Tom Hollander. So I'm not up to that yet. I love Tom Hollander. So he looks really to familiar. I can't pick where I know him from. Um, like, he was, in, he was in Pirates of the Caribbean, but I thought uh, I knew him before that. He's been in a lot of films, um, Bedrooms and Hallways, off the top of my head, um, various TV Pride and Prejudice, things. Paparazzi, yeah. uh, but none of, the, none of those are ringing a bell for me. But, yeah, um, yeah very very uh, familiar. So, so yes, he, but, he goes um, and meets but, George III, who was quite this, mad. Um, 
Yes, and and so there's all this protocol that that John Adams has to be trained up in, and then he is the first person of the independent nation of the USA to make contact with the the former occupiers, I guess, um, and and they have this conversation, and and it's about kind of. Um, how they how they want to reestablish relations basically between the the countries, but it's kind of this really awkward thing where they've just gone through a war, um, and having to patch that up. And it, like, there is so much that's unspoken in that season. That it's really it's, powerful. It really is an extraordinary series about about pride, and uh, and that theme comes out a lot in it. That. that it's about personal pride. It's about uh, pride in, in where you come from and where you belong. And uh, and it's also about, you know, not giving up. And I think things like that, when we see when we see things like that in TV that really ring true, they affect us. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think that's what we've got with John Adams. It's, it's a superb piece of television. Uh, I don't know if it's available on DVD as yet. As yet, but undoubtedly it will be. I mean, it won. It yeah, was, yeah, and it won was virtually everything. It was a list of awards. It won the Emmys. It's, it's uh, the it holds the record for most Emmy wins by a program in a single year. And um, uh, and uh, was on Showcase in Australia. Oh, uh, it's been on here. Yeah, it has. It's oh, been, it's been on Showcase. Um, uh, there was there was one bugbear that I had. Yes, which was the the regularity with which we saw the Batman shot. The the Camera, uh, d- Dutch angles, Til- tilted yeah, yeah, yeah. angles. Actually, I, I was going to say the one weird I thing I had it. was uh, I, I don't quite understand seven episodes of seventy minutes duration. I found that a bit odd. It's apparently, according to Wikipedia, it's five hundred minutes altogether, which makes me go, why not do ten, fifty minutes? Especially because the first two episodes, as much as I was loving them, I kept thinking that they hit a peak, and then I waited for ten minutes for them to finish, and that might be just my internal it's, timing I, I think built in. The first episode uh, was actually longer than 70 minutes and what i like about them is is that they're not the same well they're, time. they're like really random times they're, well, they're but, ra- random times because they're things, writing to story rather than writing to time but those first two yeah i've heard both the first two episodes just, i kept thinking oh if you're 10 minutes shorter i think it should be a little bit more powerful you know and then the third episode though weird enough i thought there was something wrong with the disc i had because it finished i mean we've only been watching it for half an hour and we went and checked it was 70 minutes but we just were so into it by that point that it's, it was, when he's in france it's, it's yeah. quite an extraordinary episode hmm. Uh, get it any way you can, John Adams. It is available on Amazon for uh, twenty seven forty nine oh. US at the moment. Oh, do it even with the exchange rate. Uh, it's it, it really is a superb series. Good evening, viewers. This is Sandra Sultry. I've been playing with my box on the box cutters. A light break, John Richards. All right then, I'll play my xylophone. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because we were doing a politics episode and I was at work and bored, I decided to email a number of politicians uh, at the end of last week just to um, ask them what their favourite TV shows were, you know, thinking we'd, we'd, we'd have a go. Um, I chose a slightly random bunch, mostly federal, of politicians that I thought would just be interesting to hear from. Um, now, the, the thing that I, I've got to say, so curious, and I, you know, I, I bigger up for this one. Um, within, I think it was three minutes, I had a response back from Julia Gillard's office. So, you know, bless you. Uh, maybe you should be doing more things with your time than responding to me, but there you go. No, um, no, no, no. No, no, no. no. Julia Ale- Gillard knows that TV is important. Well, she, Alexandra Williamson, who is the media assistant for Julia Gillard, wrote back to you to me saying, uh, Hi, John, thanks for your email. The Deputy Prime Minister's favourite television show is... 
Do you guys want to have a guess? Sex and the City. Uh, Prisoner. Favorite television show of all time. Well, I, I said it could be it could be new, it could be old. I, I left that open to them. Uh, Bangkok Hilton. Sopranos. It's actually the Bill. Oh, oh really? I liked that because it sounded soapy Bill or the original well, Gritty Bill. Someone suggested they reckon Julia sits at home going, "Oh, it was so much better before it became soapy." Yeah, they reckon she just yeah complains it used to be better. I also was amazed how quickly that was. And I thought, do they have a list of Julia's preferences for stuff, or was it just end of the year and they were bored? You know, it's like, Julia, what's your favourite TV show? <laughs> oh, I like the Bill. It's the Bill. <laughs> Because that's how they talk, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the, the other politician who got back to me, uh, Stephen Jolly, he's actually a local politician, but he's, um, he's a local council member for the city of Yarra here in Melbourne, and I believe he is the only uh, elected member of the Australian Socialist Party in, in the country. I could be wrong on that, and I do apologise if I am, Stephen. But um, he's, he's my local member, local councillor, and also I just love the fact that I live in such a ratbag seat that by a huge majority we elect socialists. Because, yeah. <laughs> Because the other parties aren't left-wing enough. Um, so I wrote to Stephen, and he wrote back. Um, it was very quick. It just said, The Sopranos. And that was about it all. But it was actually an email from him. So I wrote back saying, yeah, thank you very much, because I'm your constituent. And it's nice to know you're there for me when I have a, a TV podcast-related <laughs> question. And he actually wrote back again, bless him, saying... The, the Sopranos. <laughs> the, the reason is... So this is Stephen Jolly says... The reason is, like Tony Soprano, I also run a small to medium-sized organisation that operates on the fringes of official society and sometimes is involved in unconventional activities, all the while dealing with day-to-day family pressures. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, bless you, Stephen Jolly, that's, that's for your great. response. Of course, he tried, Tony Soprano tried to make as much money as, as possible, and, uh, and Stephen Jolly, you're just trying to share as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, in, in, in many ways, it's the same thing. Um, sadly, the other people haven't you know, written back as yet. Um, I do believe that Wilson Tucky, I suspect, just watches old videotapes of dogs eating meat. <laughs> and I really, really was hoping someone from Bob Brown's office would write back going, Bob doesn't have a television. <laughs> <laughs> but so I didn't hear anything back from them, nor from Maxine McHugh, Bromwyn Bishop, Petra Georgia, Lindsay Tanner. For God's sake, Lindsay Tanner, no one even knows what you do, and you couldn't be bothered writing back to me. I'm astounded that Lindsay Tanner's still in Parliament. Yeah, he's yeah, finance minister. He, what are you he will about? never leave. I know, and, and I'm astounded. <laughs> I'm astounded by that. Um, someone suggested that you know, Kevin Rudd would have had to have checked what everyone else liked before he committed to, to which one he liked. Hey. But, hey. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Malcolm, hey. Malcolm Turnbull, but you know, he probably doesn't have time to watch television. He's got time to Twitter. Oh, I should have asked him on Twitter. Does Malcolm Turnbull Twitter? Yeah, he yeah. totally does. Good Lord. Uh, in fact, I'm going to do that now. <laughs> All right. Let's keep the show rolling, though. Hi, this is Jim Shembury from The Age newspaper. Just telling you all to listen to box cutters if it's the last thing you do. Josh, Brett, and Ross are the most informed, entertaining, funniest guys you'll ever hear over a pod. I still don't know what podcasting is, but apparently if you go onto the ARPANET, you can, you can get it. The ARPANET. Oh, the internet. I'm sorry. That was the old word for it. Yes. Box cutters. Listen up. It's great. I was yeah, subscribing Josh, to the podcast Josh when Brent it was ARPANET. Yeah, Josh, Brett, and Ross are great. Yeah, hooray for Josh, Brent, and Ross. Oh, hello, Josh. We'll, uh, we'll get Jim back yeah, in to... Uh, we'll, we'll get Jim back in to, to say... John. <laughs> really, and badly, black. Just, really badly just dubbed jo- over. John. In fact, we'll, we'll do that now. Brett, just record me. Can, can you record this? <laughs> I'm record this. Record me saying... John. <laughs> and then we'll put that into the Jim Shambri ID. Yeah. So it'll become... Uh, Oh, Josh, Brett, and John. 
<laughs> a three of the greatest guys. But you know, you know, really, I'm not that fussed about this kind of thing. Or, or the fact that the iTunes store also says Brett Ross and John. Brett Ross is in charge of that. Actually, has it been updated on the website, on the blog? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it has. I think it has. I think Email us at Boxcutters if you uh, I, know the answer to that. I feel like such a work experience, kid. <laughs> hey, speaking of work experience. All right, back to business. Ginny Rossi. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. See where you're going dismissal. Dismissal. The yeah. dismissal, which is less about Gough Whitlam, it seems, and more about Jim Cairns. More about that voiceover. Um, oh, the... No, hang on. You no, let's set go the back. scene. Set you the set scene. the scene. Set okay. The scene. Now, I will also back one step as well. Because we were going to be doing John Adams, I said, hey, let's look at something Australian and political. A friend of mine, uh, lovely Roymond, said, do the dismissal. And I thought, what a good choice. So we've been watching the um, disc one of, of the dismissal. The dismissal, of course, was uh, 1975 when Gough Whitlam was, well, the, the whole government got sacked by uh, John Kerr, who, being the Queen's representative, is actually allowed to do that. He's, he's higher than than the Prime Minister. Mm. and um, One of his reserve powers. One of his reserve powers, and uh, yes. And the dismissal of the TV show looks at the events leading up to that particular event, and, and that event itself, presumably. Um, I haven't got that far. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this was the... This was, we're talking about blockbuster television. This is from the era of it. It was made by Kennedy, Kennedy Miller. Miller Productions. It's an amazing, both list of names in front and behind the camera. It was directed by George Miller. That's uh, Mad Max George Miller. Uh, Philip Noyce. Um, it was shot by Dean Semler, who's won every Oscar going for shooting horses. Because they shoot horses, don't they? Hey! hey. Um, Max Phipps played Gough Whitlam, John Millian, uh, John Kerr. It, it had Bill Hunter in it because that was a legal requirement at the John time. John Stanton. Uh, Ruth Cracknell played Margaret Whitlam. Um, uh, the, the very excellent and, uh, and late John Hargraves played Jim Cairns. The uncredited voice of Menzies, I'm certain, is Sam Neill, which is kind of bizarre because he would have been about 25 or something <laughs> at the time, but I'm certain it's him. Uh, yeah, huge list of names in front and behind. And, well, how did it go so wrong? That's, that's, that's my thought. Um, it's oddly clumsy, I thought. Uh, I was a bit... And that's, that's also, weirdly, the DVD has been edited... It, it's six one-hour episodes originally, it was, and it was a, a bit of a mm-hmm. Reading's blockbuster. Um, they've been. And it was a commercial. Uh, Channel affair? Ten, I think, oddly enough. Yeah, Channel Ten. Yeah. Who would have thought? Um, for some, oh, well, that was back when they still did news. Right. Um, yeah. Oddly enough, they've, they've edited the two episodes together for some odd reason on the DVD. So you have three DVDs of roughly two hours length, with uh, then new credits at the beginning, having to tell you who directed part one, who directed part two. Yeah, so it was weird. It was very weird. And there's this voiceover constantly, and I. And because the voiceover at the very end isn't credited, it's just the, the voice itself tells you who it is. It goes, narration by me. Made me, really? wonder, made me wonder if that's that was Carroll actually... That's Carroll Oh, well, there you go. But he's actually not credited on screen. And I kind of wondered if, if this was some weird, you know, educational copy that we'd got hold of. But, but apparently that, that is the original. It, was, it starts so twee. Because it, it starts off talking about... All the turmoil that existed in the world in 1973, and then in Australia. Actually, I was really looking forward to seeing the turmoil in the rest of the world, and then they- and then and then in Australia. <laughs> Meanwhile, back home, someone got burnt by a meat pie. Like it's, <laughs> you know, then in Australia we had troubles of our own, didn't we, little girl? And like there's, it's there's a yeah, montage of, of stock footage and the and the uh, it's time logo 
song. Song, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's just with that voiceover, and I kind of went, okay, this is a bad voiceover. Maybe it's just setting us up. But it keeps coming in constantly to tell you things like, Junior Morosi was born in Indonesia in 1980. Why, why are you doing this? Surely, I couldn't work out if the voiceover was scripted or, or a decision made after they'd filmed it to kind of, were they worried that people weren't learning enough? Oh, it was eight years later. People but even, would have forgotten. But even then, shouldn't we? Because it was funny, it seems like Jeannie Morosi, who um, famously, I was going to say had an affair, but at the time she was the employee and he only admitted it later. Um, I've forgotten who it was that she had the... Jim Cairns. Jim Cairns. Um, Deputy Prime Minister and later on bookseller. Yes. Um, there's this whole scene where... when Jean- Treasury, yeah? Yeah, he was, uh, he was treasurer as well. And when Judy Morrissey first turns up his office, there's this sort of like everyone looks at... Yeah, it, it's almost like a pantomime. Everyone's watching Judy Morrissey but also go, wow, she's the most attractive woman I've ever seen. You and know? also so many people just sitting around the office doing nothing. It was really weird. But apart from smoking. <laughs> there is a lot of smoking. And, a lot and, of smoking. And picking up big clumsy handsets for telephones. It's, it's an oddly, but it's such Rotary an oddly pantomime kind of show all the way around. Like Even the stuff which I, I didn't know about the um, Australia apparently had, had all sorts of dodgy individuals running around the world trying to find money for them and even they're doing all these very strange the scene in amsterdam at the very beginning which is it's a little bit kind of um austin powers in its do you remember i'm just drawing <laughs> blank haven't you S- drawing a, pit, drawing a picture. amsterdam He's doing, i see the australians are looking for money oh, oh too rich yes. for me yes. you know, it's, it's so they get the telex wanting 500 mil it, it really looks th- that scene looks like it was uh directed by jess franco and uh, which you know, three box cutter listeners will will know about, uh, and it just yeah, really stilted and horrible. And then later on, there are scenes with uh, like Gough Whitlam or, or Malcolm Fraser turning around in his chair, and there's this huge zoom up to it, and it's it really is just like a scene out of Mad Max Two. Like it, it's it's really like George Miller has just gone, hey. It works for the desert Fra- Fraser's in like the a, future. He's presented as a bit of a Bond villain, isn't he? There's, he this, is. there's this wonderful moment where um, he walks into this uh, Liberal Party. It's when they're, they're, they've got the knives out for the Liberal Party head and then, you know, Fraser's going to take over. And someone goes, speak of the devil. And they turn around and there's this huge tracking shot into Malcolm Fraser, <laughs> who was apparently tying a damsel to a railway track somewhere. <laughs> and twirl- twirling his moustache. <laughs> yes, and it's just, I just remember thinking, it's so, and I, I don't know, and I don't know, are we watching it with the wrong eyes? Are we, are we like, did this look sophisticated in, in 1980, was it? Well, I, I, remember, it, I remember it looking sophisticated, you know, it, it seemed to me like, oh, well, this was huge television. And, uh, and, Kennedy Miller, of course, they, you know, the stamp of uh, of, of excellence, th- that and Bodyline. And, and I wonder if going now, going well, back and watching Bodyline. That's what worried me. I'm terrified if I go and watch Bangkok Hilton now, is it going to look terrible? Am I, am I, because I remember that being great. And that was one of theirs. And I feel the same way about Happy Feet. And <laughs> I, I mean, this is, this is the thing is, you know, George Miller did craft his, uh, his, his skill a lot, but when it started, it, it was pretty weak. I mean, he was really a doctor with a film camera and, uh, and he knew how to tell stories. I mean, that's why Mad Max was, was such a great success because he told a story that uh, Australians could really uh, relate to uh, about apocalyptic futures and, and having your family killed. Uh, and uh, what I thought was a little bit much was that time that Malcolm Fraser comes into a room and screams, I am the grass cutter! No, see, I thought that worked. 
really? believed that moment. You believed that Actually, moment? No, it's funny. I'm wondering if, if that sort of a huge epic filmmaking approach, like, like, you know, like you're saying, is it funny how that could work for a film like Mad Max, but a thing which is basically people in rooms chatting, it, it felt too big? Like, that, that, that's possibly the clumsiness I felt. Yeah, it's the same... And, and, and I think also the... Uh, uh, it, it's unfair to it. To watch John Adams and then go and watch the dismissal. Well, possibly, yes. Uh, yeah, because you know you're looking at something that had a, a budget of a hundred billion dollars versus something though, that had seven dollars. But it is interesting to compare the two in that way. That John Adams, like for example, occasionally in John Adams at the beginning, I thought maybe I wouldn't mind if there was a voiceover, like yeah, for the international version, just giving me a bit more history on this because I don't know anything about about this this time. But the more I watched John Adams, the more I thought, actually, no, because I'm picking it up as I go along. It doesn't you know, need it. The characters are finding out as they go along. It doesn't matter if I find out as, as we go along with the characters, and I really care about them. Whereas the dismissal, you know, you don't get a chance to really care about anyone. And and there's all these bits and pieces that don't seem to link together. Like, like you know, what is the Junior Morosi affair? Like, who cares? What, what connection does it have to the other... Well, it was media scandal. It was front page news. And- uh, was, yeah, it, no, no, I understand that. But I'm saying, but it's weird watching as a narrative now where you're going, but I don't kind of see why it's a scandal. Like, it's almost like... Well, because it's... Because Australia was full of racists. Yeah, but they that's the same thing with Kem Lani. If, if they hadn't been looking for Arab money, there wouldn't have been such a big fuss made about it. Sure. But they haven't told the story properly. And that's the that's the thing. They, they haven't uh, made us aware that the... Uh, I mean, the, the whole thing with the... the Ginny uh, Marini affair was that I keep getting her name wrong for some reason. Uh, uh, is is that they, uh, you know, th- this led to the downfall of the treasurer, which led to the downfall of uh, all the treasurer's plans, and uh, and left no one accountable for the huge error that he had made, uh, I mean, and is- left treasury to clean up his mess. I mean, that's and and that's how uh, Australia got into the hole that it was, which then. Uh, led to uh, Gough Whitlam doing uh, ads for Voca. Again, though, is that possible thing that you are meant to be watching this eight years after the event? So, like, you know, like you're saying, perhaps you're meant, to, you're meant to actually remember it, except that you need to be refreshed on some of it, whereas obviously John Adams is you know, hundreds of years later, so they can start fairly much. There's well, not too refreshed. many people left from... Uh, not too many. Th- ...that actually experienced it living. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the other thing is that, uh, yeah, but back then, no one made television for posterity. You didn't buy television series on, on VHS in 1983. No one really thought about doing that. No. So, no. so the idea that they would make this show and then it would be shown again years and years later and then people would buy it on DVD and, you know, and watch it years and years later, uh, none of that was really in their minds. It was a show for the time. And possibly, you know, and the, the voiceover was also to try and sell it. It was played in the UK, apparently, and maybe that was just what they felt needed to be done for the story. I mean, did, did you get anything out of it, Brett? Did you have any... Did any of us have a pretty positive response to the dismissal? Um, well, only seeing one-third of it, I think, yeah, it, it, it defies the law of threes. Well, we did see two. We saw two episodes yeah. of the six, though, so, you know, we, we got close. But that's, that's all we have to say. <laughs> <laughs> the voiceover was, wrecked it for me. It, it's... It's I, ten minutes before the, the the show actually starts, because we learn so much about uh, you know uh, Billy Griffin and uh, you know the history of Canberra <laughs> yes. and uh, and how Australia was formed and how uh, how, how how the Earth cooled how the and Earth cooled the tectonic plates you know, arrived. Yeah, <laughs> a whole lot of things that just seem really unnecessary. 
Is the one thing it, I must say I, I did like was that every so often there's these really obvious attempts to hide names. Um, yes, when Rex Connors <gasps> mentions yeah, yeah. one, but there's this just random, random phone ringing. This is this phone's ringing. I actually kind of like that because it made it feel quite <laughs> exciting. Because I was thinking, oh, people don't want me to know the truth. That was that was the only bits I had a kind of visceral reaction to. Was was oh, they decided they have to hide people's names. That and was, also, like it's it's been 25 years since uh, the the miniseries came out, and 33 years since it these events were actually taking place. Um, I would have thought that by now they'd actually be able to name names. <laughs> no, no. No. No way to name names. Not until um, Bill Hunter but, is dead. I mean, at, at this point, the dismissal seems like a... Uh, <laughs> that... <laughs> That's what happens. That's what happens at one point. It's, can you get... On the, it, it is a phone ringing. I had to rewind just to make sure what happened. <laughs> I hadn't picked it as a as a censorship thing at all, um, but it looks it looks like a study piece for Year Twelve politics. It, it does, it really, and, and yeah. not much beyond that. It really does come across as an educational tool. I, was, I wasn't sure who you were going to mention then, so I just thought I'd, I'd <laughs> try Mr. that. Mr. Black. Uh, anyway, that's the dismissal. If you want to know a, a lot about the uh, dismissal of Gough Whitlam's Labor government, read a book. <laughs> Letter from you. you read it? You're a godsend. Savior. No, I'm, I'm just the postman. The postman. The postman. The postman. The postman. The score so far. The US won. Australia nil. <laughs> That's sad. Yeah. It's sad. It's sad. Hey, letters to box cutters. Mm. That's uh, That's what that was. We've got heaps, heaps of letters. Uh, we got a, a Christmas text. Do you want to, have you got that? Oh, I haven't, I haven't got that with me. Uh, I have that know. one. Dear Box Cutter, have a happy and safe holiday season. Love, hugs, kisses, and reach arounds. Your old pal, Anon. Thanks, Anon. Thanks, Anon. That's that, lovely. That made me feel warm and fuzzy and, uh, and a, a little bit awkward. Got one from Dan Box Cutter, which I really enjoyed. Um, he said, I, 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 uh, spoilers. Sorry, this letter has spoilers in it. I, I should probably <laughs> warn you. It's weird, but there you go. If you want to watch Survivors, spoiler ahead. I tried to watch Survivors. I really did. But then they got to that scene about halfway through the second episode where Philip Reese has a breakdown in the barnyard for killing a shopkeeper the previous day. And I was like, bitch, please. And the whole <laughs> subplot of will Dr. Girl go with Max Beasley or Patterson Joseph, I think they were the choices, made me want to stab myself in the face. Dan no. Boxgun. <laughs> I wasn't sure what the emphasis there on killing a shopkeeper was about. I mean, yeah, uh, uh, when he was saying that, yeah, we all kill a shopkeeper from time was, to time. It or wasn't he like was... he picked up a great big knife and stuck it in his throat or anything. He, he pushed him he and pushed he accidentally hit his and he died. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a very telegenic death. Actually, the other, other thing which we didn't mention was that I, I felt certain that um, the female doctor is actually intended as a lesbian character. There, there's certain just coded... You know, things that when when you watch TV... She doesn't drive know. a Forester. Um, and yet, She's oh, got a bandana hanging out of her back pocket. Oh, you know, it's funny, though, because I just I thought, oh, yeah, they're, they're keeping that for a future event. And, you know, and, and you guys didn't see that, so I don't know, maybe I'm reading that into it, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if that's a shocking plot development to come later and we'll go, yeah. Well, she did, she did move in with everybody else within minutes of knowing them, so it's possible. Well, who knows? And, and um, you know, Dinsdale's <laughs> given that, put the hard word on the other dude to... She doesn't want to yeah, talk yeah. to you. Um, I should also, and, and just for you, Dan, I wanted to reveal this now rather than the news, that the BBC have commissioned a second series of Survivors. 
Because they're not fond of your face. <laughs> yes. Daniel Bond They Bond. want you to stab yourself in the face a bit more. Uh, we got one from Rob Buttery, who says, Howdy, if you're anywhere near a TV on Christmas Eve, a festive doco I edited called Christmas Lights is screening on ABC2 at 8pm. It was made by first-time director Liz Fisher and produced on a shoestring budget by Rochelle Bakarich with support of Film Australia. It's a great film, one for all the family, and it's repeated on ABC One on Christmas night at 10pm. I have actually heard that's good, too, yeah, from so someone else. So, 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 yes, so thumbs up. So, l- looking forward to that one. Thank you very much, Rob. Uh, Brett, have you got uh, anything else? Have you missed, uh, missed anything? Uh, I, was, I was only seeing uh, competition entries, and... Uh, we did get a lot of competition entries, but many of which said nice things about us. And that's good. Remember to include that in your competition <laughs> entry. Because it uh, helps. No, it doesn't. And um, it was uh, great to uh, get that answer from somebody that was just transported back to in their memory to a, a show that it wasn't from. Yeah. And if you want to send a letter to Boxcutters, you can. Hooray at boxcutters.net Hooray. is the email address. Or you can text us, as some listeners have, 0458 Cutter. So, hooray at boxcutters.net or, or 0458 with texters. Cutter. Okay, question three. Which yeah, canal. All these going to be about war. No. I got loads of. I got one on tennis, one on the Suez Canal. Loads. Okay, question three. Which canal links the Mediterranean with the Red Sea? Now, last week on the Box Cutters Quiz, we tried to trick you a little bit and played just a shortened version of a theme tune to uh, say uh, it was a news theme. The, the word tried, though, is important there, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Because we didn't. We got we, the most entries we've ever had for a quiz, and they were all right. Yeah, not fooled. Not fooled, except for the, the, the one guy who was wrong. For that uh, one but guy. That, that felt Have you checked really that it's not that? Maybe Frontline ripped off their news theme from the <laughs> show that... Uh... What a giveaway. I can't believe you just did that. <laughs> oh. Everyone got it right anyway. Yeah, that's true. Except for that guy. For the guy. But anyway, it was a short and truncated version. Why don't you play the full version? Let's let's Um, see if you can get it from this. So it was, was, what's this theme song? Yeah, this theme song. This theme song. Two. Two. Yeah, see, that's where I got confused. Yeah. Anyway, is that on the other cue? What is the theme tune from? I guess would be grammatically correct. Is that all on the other cue? Hello, I'm Mike Moore. Welcome to Frontline. I can't understand at all why we might have edited that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, the funny thing is, yeah, even though we did cut out the I might more and welcome to Frontline, everyone still got it anyway. Everyone so maybe it. from now on, all the quizzes should just have a voice going, going, I'm the theme tune to the Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman show. Enjoy me. I loved the Mary Hartman show. <laughs> did you? Yeah. Anyway, from that, we had a winner. Mm. Uh, we had a winner from the uh, truncated version that we played. Uh, trying to trick you all and failing. Can miserably. I tell the listeners the, the, the methodology you used to choose the winners? Because it really impressed me. I, I wasn't aware. It, yeah, it, I, it, you haven't com- heard the episode where we actually went into it. We, no, I, I, did you? I, did it, oh, I, I did it live. I did it live I, one I time. I do apologize. But, I, no, but go I, ahead. We have new listeners who I, I assumed away. that we, we used some sort of you know, high-tech kind of way of doing this, or maybe Pushed we, we the writ them on, on papers and threw them at kittens. But no, in fact, 
Josh brings in the geekiest collection of uh, Dungeons and Dragons type player dice with him. It's it's random, and 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 he has a whole selection of different sided dies um, in uh, order to dice, to, dice. to, to it's, roll. It's dice. No, no, it's dies. When I'm using it in that particular way. Oh, oh okay. But the he, incorrect way. He rolls them all together, and like there there are these massive. Uh, numbers that you can get out of them, but uh, he only assigns one number per correct per entry. Correct so entry. So he'll yes. be there for half an hour yes, so until one of the numbers like, come up. So that's 128, that's 129, and then he rolls them, and then the number that, that I was just really impressed. And But what you missed was before uh, before I get here to the studio, uh, is uh, I, I uh, slaughter a chicken and then read its innards. No, no well. that's the rating system, silly. <laughs> My mistake. That's odds term. Congratulations to actual Chad. Who, actual Chad. Actual Chad, who uh, wrote in via SMS with his quiz answer. Well and done, he said, actual Chad. He said correctly. Brett, do you want to tell the people what the show was? Uh, what was it? It was prime time, wasn't this it? This is Frontline. Uh, yeah, Funky Squad. Uh, yes, it was. It was the theme to Frontline. Congratulations. You win. The bag that's just like John's. It is just like mine, except it doesn't, it does not come with lamb shanks. Um, no lamb shanks. <laughs> some, someone did actually put that in one of their entries, saying, if I don't win the bag, can I at least have the lamb shanks? The lamb shanks have been eaten. Oh, I can't believe you ate someone's prize. <laughs> <laughs> it was my prize. Thanks very much to Crumpler for uh, all their support throughout the year and, uh, and, of course, for giving us bags to give away to you, the listener. Mm. You can Actually, find them on the web at crumplet.com.au. You can, and uh, we've got a very special giveaway, but um, we're searching for, for a tough enough quest for yeah. you, the listener. It's a good one. It's a good um, one, and we've actually got it. It's our it's our annual beanbag giveaway. Yes. So, uh, y- you know what? If you've got an idea <laughs> that's really hard and is going gonna, is gonna to popularise this podcast. Yeah, basically, you need to make us more popular yeah. or more attractive. Both will work. I'm happy with either. <laughs> I think one will come from the other. I think it will. I, I'm not sure which way, though. Anyway, uh, let us know. If you've, if you've got an idea for a, a great competition uh, that people can enter and try to win a Crumpler double beanbag. You won't win the beanbag, though, by suggesting the competition we do. I just no. want to stress, that's not the competition. No. The competition no. isn't to come up that's with the competition. That's just for the honour. Yes, that's and there's a lot of honour. Well, and, and we'll name. We'll if you give us the the idea, we will name the after competition you. after you. Can we use memorial, even though they're not dead? No, not mon- not memorial, but they'll be legendary, just like James Morrison's a legendary trumpeter. Nice. Yeah. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters, pod, cast, done. Pork is on the table. Oh, it's pork time. So this internet thing. Yeah. Right, which, I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the the Australian government doesn't think it's going to catch on, uh, but it, it is uh, entirely populated by criminals, apparently, and they're trying to put a stop to it. So, uh, so Sticky bit. Wait a minute. Wait, if, sorry, go on. So the... Uh, so, I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, if if you want to defend people's free rights to freely range around the internet, then you're defending pedophiles. I believe you murder children, Josh. <laughs> you murder children. Won't somebody think of the children constantly? Well, I got a a form letter from 
to my house Senator se- Stephen you, Conroy you, really? did, you did get a letter though that, that is actually that in your hand is the yes, genuine letter yes is so, the genuine letter so you basically complained about their internet policies and they've sent you a letter which somehow is, is well, I, I didn't, ironic but, uh, but yes yes my house got a letter mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, this uh, this whole thing I, I mean in the news I was talking about iTunes having uh, television shows and what a great way that is to watch television shows and uh, I think Big Pond as well are doing that now as well. Uh, ABC of course has ABC the, has the, the I, view. I view. Uh, and there was an article in The Age this morning, being Monday morning, uh, talking about uh, a test that was done for these uh, internet filters saying that they don't work, they end up filtering a lot of uh, a lot of websites that yeah, false positives. Yep, yeah, false yep. positives, and they can slow the internet by up to eighty-seven percent. Eighty-seven percent, which is quite a high number, and also means like like because it's a blacklist system, it can mean that that one single edit on Wikipedia or YouTube was that's, that that's a little bit dodgy yep. will block the entire uh, Wikipedia mm-hmm. site, which actually happened in the UK uh, just last week, I believe, or the week before. The, um, and, and now they're seeking legal recourse because uh, the the government system over there blocked would, their track. There are actually some mildly dirty pictures on Wikipedia under entries like penis. There is actually a picture of a penis because that's what the entry is for. So, are you yeah. just looking at rude words on Wikipedia? I John? just try them all out just to see what's there. <laughs> So, uh, in, in the letter, uh, Stephen Conroy uh, says, Freedom of speech is fundamentally important in a democratic society. I agree to that, Stephen Conroy. I agree. For many years, however, most Australians... <laughs> however. You knew there was a however yes, coming, wasn't yes. there? Yes. Most Australians have accepted that there is some material which is not acceptable, particularly for children. The genesis of this is in civil society, where social conflict is governed by the imposition of rules that restrain citizens from harming one another, and society as a whole accepts that the public interest requires that those rules are enforced. He then goes on to talk about the Greeks and is the Romans. It's genuinely like a three-page letter that you're holding. That is a four-page letter. Seriously? Seriously, it is a four-page letter uh, that uh, talks about every... And it's a form letter. Like, there's no personalization mm-hmm. in it at at all and doesn't really uh, address the the uh, questions in the, in the query just spouts all this rhetoric about how well we're going to do it anyway and basically to, to protect random children from unknown threats we all must censor everything yeah because that's going to stop it okay no it's not it's not going to stop it, and this is no. this is the thing. All all it's doing is uh, is stopping us from getting the content that we want, stopping us from producing the content that we want. This the whole, uh, you know, it, it it comes across as uh, yes, today it is child porn, but uh, under the sedition laws of the the previous government, uh, could it also be? seditious material mm-hmm. could it be material that questions the government could it go on to it you know why don't we just go and live in russia john there, Richards? there, there are being questions about you know what about sites that uh, give information about euthanasia mm-hmm. about abortion what about uh, there are many gay and lesbian sites that are information based what if if we get another howard type government who wouldn't you know how do you define or what a, is a situation material? where, where uh, harrodine had uh, the balance of power in the senate and so the the uh the uh, compromises that the Howard government had to give to him as a as a practicing Christian and feeling that he had to to 
control everybody else in the country along his uh, in his code of ethics. Well, and it's the same with family first members. And yeah. there, uh, there is an argument. I mean, I have heard the argument that this is this is something the red government's doing to keep Fielding on side, and then eventually they will dump it. But it does seem to be going a long way down the track without being dumped. You know, it's still it's insane. It's been insane at all points. It's not stopping being insane, and yet we're still doing it. Yeah, so I, I, I'm pretty angry about it, and uh, you know what? Just keep writing letters to to Stephen Conroy. Write letters to your local members. I haven't told you letters. Apparently, you have to write actual on bits of paper letters. Don't email. Don't join the Facebook groups. I mean, you can do that too if you want, but but you know, but write an actual letter on paper and physically send it to them because that's all they really understand. Yes, and then they will send you a four page form letter. But uh, you know, hopefully, if they end up sending out hundreds of those, the postage form letters, will bankrupt them. Yes. That's the uh, that's the plan. It it really is ridiculous, and it is going to affect the way we watch television because uh, with uh, IPTV becoming a, a, a more viable choice in the future, an eighty five or eighty seven percent cut in the bandwidth that you have uh, will seriously impact your ability to watch television, even legally. Yes, yes. even legally. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's why I miss uh, Helen Coonan. Just a happy bit of uh, pork to finish up. Flight of the Concourse, the original radio series that uh, was produced for the BBC in the UK, I think. It was for Radio 4. It's very good, for too. Um, and uh, Murray's actually Brian Erskine or something. Yeah, they, they changed the name of their agent, but I think it's uh, uh, played yes, by he's the got same. Different, same. Same guy. Um, yes, his name I've just forgotten, but he has a diff- different name. Um, they're currently replaying that radio serial on Radio National at 5pm on weekdays. Oh, great. And yeah. I yeah, ha- I heartily recommend it. You'll recognise a lot of the plots and, and, and many of the same jokes and songs, but it's still it's still well worth well worth a listen. Mm. Oh, fantastic. And that brings us to the end of Box Cutters, episode 162, our last proper episode for the year. Tune in next week for special edition Charlie, where you will hear John Richards say... What? <laughs> Sorry, I've forgotten. What am I meant to say? <laughs> Until next week. <laughs> Thanks very much to 3 Triple R, his studio's well, well, recordings. John Richards Where, supposed to yeah, say? Well, what was that I supposed was it. to say? That was it. <laughs> so I said it then. You said it. Oh, that's good. I'm glad it's smooth. I'd hate to think we'd, we'd end on a clumsy note. <laughs> <laughs> I was so willing to just go with it. But then, no, you just had to keep going. I, I, I thought I was meant to do something. That was it. Well, just say something. Okay, well, I did. I'm glad I, I removed the confusion, though. No, that is good, because we were all confused. I'm sure that listeners would have been very frustrated. And, they would. They what would. the hell was he supposed to say? I mean, get mixed up. They'd write angry letters to me, and, you know, oh, it'd be weird. And they'd want to call up and talk. I want to talk to the announcers on the podcast. Post, oh, posting lamb shanks to week. Brian Harradine. Oh, it'd go wrong. Thanks very much to 3RRR, <laughs> whose studios we use for recording this podcast each and every week. You can find them on the web at rrr.org.au. They do really good Christmas parties. If you want to send us an email, you can. Hooray at boxcutters.net or send us a text on 0458 Cutter. Or on the back of a postcard to PO Box 2145 Brunswick East Victoria 3057 Australia from anywhere in the world. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and you're new to the Box Cutters family and you use iTunes, please go onto the iTunes Music Store and leave a review. It will help other people find this podcast and they can enjoy it as well. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Different, Different time. time. Same channel. And hey... <gasps> 
let's be careful out there. The the captain, the dude that took over from from the captain in Hill Street Blues, died uh, a couple of weeks ago. That on was the 8th uh, of December. The sergeant. He was the desk sergeant. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, didn't yeah. actually take it from that <laughs> from that uh, sergeant who said, uh, "Let's do it to them that. before they do it to us." Yeah, was his line. That, that was his line. Yeah. yeah. So your should, whole gasping thing. You should do that next week. No. 